Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But they really all sold out. Feel all together. You with me now. Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And we're going to talk about Barbie. (laughs) With a side of Mission Impossible. Yeah, and also some Mission Impossible. Maybe a few other things too. Yes. Um, I I did want to... We can start off with this. So, Uh I read an article on Pajiba... Mm-hmm. About uh, I, I mean the the title of the article is I forget exactly what it was, but basically it was like Netflix is fucking over HBO and uh, Peacock and every other streaming service, and they don't seem to realize it. And it was an incredible breakdown of how. Basically, Netflix is using the the strike as a way, as like a countermeasure, because they've instituted the no password sharing, which mm-hmm. surprisingly increased their subscriptions, like by a good number, like a yeah. few million subscriptions. And yep. now, because that they have monetarily set themselves up to like be sustainable through the strikes that we're seeing the other companies i mean already before the strike was even officially happening we saw these uh other services taking things down and mm-hmm. uh hbo or max or whatever uh david zaslav is calling it this week um has already started selling properties uh not just to netflix but to other services yep amazon being one of the big ones yeah and uh i I think netflix has gotten a lot of the dc content from them yes they have um so even beforehand they had that channel they had that yeah you're right uh but yeah no like it God, yeah. Uh, continue on. Like it's so frustrating because I think I read a similar article about what's happening and what they're doing, and it's just, yeah. But continue. So sorry. So sorry. But yeah, I I hadn't even considered any of that. Like mm-hmm. Netflix was in not bad. They've never been in bad shape. They've just been in like, oh, the investors are worried shape because they're not you know raking in the dough and we're losing subscribers. But, yeah, it, it was really, really interesting to see, uh, like, oh, hey, this billion-dollar company is, uh, like, using this massively to their advantage. <laughs> no, absolutely. And the thing is, okay, so, like, like the studios, not Netflix, because Netflix is a streamer. I want to make sure that people understand yeah, they make produce content, but like that's what they produce. They don't produce movies because I don't think I, I like to be perfectly honest. Like 
Um, and here's a big thing. If you guys want to help SAG, uh, SAG and WGA in their strike, you're, like most of them are saying something very novel that people all of a sudden start getting shaky-shaky about. And I'm actually, uh, like, I think I'm going to do it, which is um, they say, like, you know, quit the streamers. Quit the streamers. Just stop. Just stop. Like, what, like cancel your service. And when you do, um, there's, an, there's an option as to the reason why. Say SAG slash WGA strike, standing in solidarity, and then just close out your account for the time. That's the only thing that these streamers understand is the bottom line. Um, studios are already starting to, like, really start to ship things because they already know that, like, they're already talking about the, the September-October slate, including big-ass movies like Dune. Move to uh, next year. <laughs> yeah, next year. Like, again, the, I, I honestly think that this is all subterfuge for the half-a-billion-dollar investment that never came true of Aquaman Part 2 just never existing. Like, I honestly don't think it's going to ever come out because... Again, they're talking 2024 summer now for Aquaman 2 um, because studios need... Okay, so like this is like a big... This is a big deal because it tells you how the streamers work and how fucked up tech bros are with how they disrupt things. And by disrupt, they don't mean disrupt. Like what they mean is they break the system that they're in. They're like cancer. IT tech in silicon valley all they are is a fucking piece of cancer that come into different uh, different pieces of industry and sometimes help but mostly what they do is they get in there they infect and then they break it to the point to where people that were in that industry cannot work and and that's exactly what's happening right now because the streamers think about it none of them have their actors promote anything i mean literally netflix hires okay like there's this really big thing going on with and I love it because fuck influencers. They don't do anything. Like, I'm sorry, guys, but, you know, I know this is two white dudes talking about running uh, that run a podcast. Like, oh, yeah, obviously. But anyways, I'm going to just say this. Like, influencers have already been told by SAG that if you cross the line in a Netflix movie because Netflix is offering all these movies to influencers because they do because that's what they do. If you watch some of their YA like content it's terrible you want to know why it's terrible because they don't fucking hire trained actors they get influencers to to star in these damn things and so what ends up happening is they they get the carrot of a movie and being a, a, a credited sad actor sag is now telling them under no circumstances if they go on to a streamer even on a series or a uh, or a movie they will be banned for life from sag that means like whenever this like whatever streamer that they are, they're hooked on them forever. If they break, what are they gonna do? Like if if like I'm not saying that Netflix is gonna go out of business because we all know. Um, but I mean, you know, as we see in Twitter, like, you know, within a few months somebody could own that shit and completely ruin it. Um, but what are you gonna do if you cross the picket line and this is something that is so, so, so vital for the next 50 to 100 years for SAG, that's the way that they're looking at it. And WGA too, fuck the director's guild because, you know, of course, they don't care. (laughs) They're going to direct the AI. uh, But, and we'll get to something that I saw today or yesterday that I literally laughed at. I was like, you guys are fucking idiots if you think AI is taking over. Um, But uh, do you really want a lifetime ban? And the whole thing is, is that these influencers are idiots. Of course, they're 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 not considering it. But 
the, it all goes to the fact that like SAG actors can't promote right now. And that's the big thing, guys. Like right now we're getting into festival season, Venice, Telluride, TIFF, New York Film Festival, all of these major, major like film Solid festivals that require. Yeah, San Diego's I generally now for people that were going to San Diego for actual comic book content. <laughs> this is great. Paradise. Um, yeah. It's, it's literally the first fucking year where I was like, damn it, I wish I'd have gone to San Diego. I've never felt that way. I've always just been like, no, fuck those crowds and fuck the like the promotion machine. That is San Diego Comic-Con because, like, it might be great, but, like, in the moment, but, like, it's just, I'm not waiting hours to watch a trailer for something. Yeah, that I'm going to see, that I'm going to (laughs) see in a month or two. Like, big deal. I have no FOMO. I have never had the desire to do it. Um, But this year I was like, man, like... Marvel announced like a a, a new slate of books. Uh, like nope. it just it looked so much fun. But uh, yeah, every studio pulled out of Comic Con. Like yeah, because they don't have anybody that can go promote anything. You know nope. who were that? The, like yeah, I guess the directors possibly could, but like who, who's going to show up for that? Unless it's George Lucas or Steven Spielberg or like even James Mangold, like Mm -hmm. if we hadn't already seen Indiana Jones, James Mm -hmm. Mangold shows up in Hall H. He's not going to pack Hall H. Like, no, we like the dude, but like nobody's waiting hours in line to see James Mangold. (laughs) No one is. (laughs) I, I mean, you know, yeah, no, no one's going to do that. Um, and, you know, like, I, I actually thought the same thing, uh, dude. Like, I was like, man, that reminds me of Comic-Con when I, when I first, so, like, I went from, I went to Comic-Con from 98 um, to, like, 2004, 2005, because, it, like, like, that's my, that was my era in my early 20s, right? I think it was about 26 was the last time I went, so it would have been 2000 and four um it would have been 2004 was my last uh my last push over there and and like there wasn't even a hall h back when i went like the thing i think the biggest thing was the biggest thing that happened was in 2001 when the x-men uh when x-men 2 x-men united had already been released but they had no no, no it was 2000 uh no no 2002 it would have been 2002, whenever they released the X-Men 2 trailer there is the biggest thing that I saw ever happen there. And it was like something that you'd never seen. It was like kind of crowded before, but this was like super packed with a bunch of people and Hall H had just become a thing. And so it was super huge and there were super lines and it was the beginning of the end for me because it was like, I went to Comic-Con for comics for like you know to be able to sit there and talk 20 minutes with jeff smith about bone and get my comic book signed or uh talk to mike allred before he became a little problematic and talk to him about madman for like for like 15 to 20 minutes and get my 
and get him to draw me a, a Chow Skip Wang custom like drawing in my in my sketchbook. Like I have like three or four sketchbooks, dude, that are filled with indie artists, artists that have just drawn me things. Like because like that's what you did when you went back in the day. Um, you got to talk to like indie creatives. I mean, hell, I had a I had a full on conversation with George Perez about Thanos, and like like back when Thanos wasn't like a meme and he was actually a person like an actual character in the Infinity Gauntlet and like it was it was wild, dude. Like it was wild back in the day, and I and loved it. Now, and, now to do any of that, you have to go to smaller cons. If yep. you know. You can get uh, just, you know n bigger names like that to these cons, yep. um, and it still it, gonna cost you like seventy five, like yes. seventy five bucks. Like I know, I know people that are huge um, Dead fans, Walking Dead fans that pay one hundred and twenty dollars or one hundred and fifty dollars. Norman Reedus to to spend t like five minutes with Norman Reedus. <laughs> who's like stoned out of his mind with his sunglasses on just collecting money and shit right um it's not the same but it's kind of weird because like I, when i saw like everybody like when i saw certain people that were like like you know the the reporters that are all about like the big catches at comic-con when i saw how disappointed they were i instantly felt like this heart thing where I was like, man, I really want to go. Like, I really, like, if I had nothing to do this weekend, I probably, and my yeah. dogs weren't a big issue about boarding my dogs, I would have said, honey, let's pack up the, let's, pa let's pack up our shit. We're going to Comic-Con. We're, we're going to go one day. We're going to go Saturday. We're going to go to yesterday. Um, and just go because. Yeah. Balls to the wall just for, you know, a good 16 hours. Just yeah. <laughs> do Comic-Con. <laughs> and buy myself a whole bunch of indie comics from like, you know, and have my reading. Cause like, that's how my, back in the day, it was like, it was easier to spend two days in San Diego in the middle of July where it's so fucking hot in LA. Um, there's no escape. You go to San Diego, you get a, you get your comic, like you get your indie comic fix for like six months because like I would buy like $500 worth of comics. Like I literally had, like I had a system, like people, like people had systems of how to do it. Like, you know, you would just keep boxes at your, at like, you know, I had a movable cart that had like boxes yep. that you could put up and I would just like, I keep a, uh, I, I had a, I had a long box and I would just put my comics in there. And then that would be my shit for the, for the next six to eight months, because you'd have just volumes of shit or you just wait until you could go there and talk to the creatives um, about an indie comic you heard about from somebody that somebody that somebody and more more than likely they'd have something they'd have all of their they'd have all the whole entire run printed in mass quantities so you didn't have to end up paying super dollar amounts but you got it right to the the creative because they were printing it so dollar for dollar dollar you knew you were supporting them I mean that was fucking that was the way that it was done back in the day if you had a big comic con that you could go to um i mean now you're just making me morose for like my 20s and like like you're making me <laughs> melancholy for my fucking 20s and what i used to do with comic books and like how much like how um, like like how much media i used to consume like that yeah uh, it, it's uh it, it's the one thing i miss about my uh pizza delivery days like uh -huh. i was living high on the hog and i couldn't afford a lot 
Now I yeah. can afford more than I certainly need most of the time, and I never have any time to consume it. <laughs> so, yeah. like, well, Isn't I can buy case? this. I don't know when I'm ever going to read it. Maybe when I retire in 20 years. <laughs> but, <Yep. laughs> you know, it, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I used to be like that with Dragon Con. Like, I loved going to the dealer room and, like, just spending a shit ton of money on books. And um, But uh, anyway, it, like, I say all that to say, if this is still going on when D23 happens, the fuck is Disney going to do? Like, they can't. Bring out, uh, bring out fucking Bob Iger talking about fucking how he's breaking the strike. That motherfucker. Oh uh, man, oh, we I, haven't I mean, even talked to, <laughs> talked about that shit. We um, we were pretty certain, like we the collective like internet, uh, mm-hmm. were pretty certain we were gonna get at least a Fantastic Forecast announcement at D twenty three. And now, now there's no way that can happen. Like. Even if even if these people are signed to contracts, like you cannot announce the cast of this big and not bring them movie out. and yeah, and them not show up. Like it, it, it's That's, just a shot. You're shooting yourself in the foot. So and and I mean and that's the big like and that's the that's the crazy part is is that. Like Fantastic Four is like the big is the big thing, right? Like more so they're pivoting, like have they kind of have to pivot because of the Jonathan Major stuff, at least for the time being, which it does sound like like they're waiting for the dust to settle and it feels like they're going to just continue on with him, right? The, like this could actually benefit them in that lone scenario. <laughs> yes. Because and if, the, the, if, everything gets pushed and by the time we start back up, maybe no one is going like, yeah, you remember when Jonathan Matrix got arrested for an altercation and a bunch of people came forward and was like, oh, yeah, it turns out he's just kind of a shitty dude. <laughs> yeah, well, and let's put, a, let's put a star on that. A shitty dude that if, like, the way that it sounds like he's a shitty dude is, is that he's like a super intense actor. That fucking just doesn't want people fucking around with his process, which every other fucking white dude like Sean Penn has had those complaints about him. But you don't see anybody. You don't see the careers ending of Sean Penn. Um, Yeah. But anyway, like it is so (laughs) like, yeah, and and we don't have to get into it. But like, would that happen to Sean Penn today? Because like we remember that. Yeah. like punching uh paparazzi and you know breaking camera yeah hitting madonna and yep. like all of his problematic shit of like i'm a tortured artist um you know it, it's like could he survive that today was that just a product of his time or is it like it that's a big question you know yeah. um i mean but like, let's be honest. Ezra Miller did worse, and yeah. his fucking giant ass movie got released. It was a like, I mean, it didn't the, make any money. It, <laughs> but that's the but but if you think about it, that's the weird point about this. The salient point about this, which is, is that okay? So the thing that that's going to stop Ezra Miller's career is not all of the all of the fucking wild ass shit. The illegal shit that he did, the the harm that he put out into the world, it's the fact that his 
$400 million movie didn't make a damn penny. Like, that's some, that should tell you everything you need to know about Hollywood. And that's fucking crazy. Like, that is crazy that a yeah. white dude, just because he's a white dude, can do some crazy ass shit, like try to start a cult and abuse people and, violent, and violently assault people and take children and groom them. And it's all okay. But as soon as his fucking $400 million movie does shit because, you know, nobody's interested, uh, then his career ends. It's like, it's wild. It's wild. Um, but yeah, like, like the big hope is Fantastic Four is what, like, it's weird because the optics on Marvel right now are very weird to me. Like, everybody keeps on saying that Marvel has problems, right? Like, Oh, there's all these problems in the universe. Problems in the universe. Movies, TV. Guardians all... 3, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it was fucking great. <laughs> like, I don't think that day has passed since I saw that movie that I haven't thought about that movie. Um, exactly. I know it's only been a few months, but I'm not still thinking about Ant-Man. And, I, I mean, I didn't hate Ant-Man, Quantumania, but yeah. I, mean, I didn't think it was... The, the greatest i thought it was just okay um and yeah i think about guardians 3 all the time <laughs> so yeah i'm like I, like i'm very 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 curious why people so many people on um, and i think it's just hate but the whole thing is that fantastic four is a big deal right like they have to they have to treat it with the reverence and the respect that you you would come to expect because if you don't treat it like that and you treat it like the Tim Story directed Fantastic Fours, which were kind of like like you know that was t- atypical of Fox, right? Like yeah. during that era was the was the X was the Wolverine X Men Origins. Like they thought that they were gonna do they 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 were a little, Sony a little too hokey. Yeah, yeah, they were Sony one point with all these, we're going to create a universe of origin stories. Um, and the only one that really sounded good was what was the Magneto selling, uh, like hunting Nazis. And we got that in, uh, we got that in first class, like the yep. first 20 minutes of first class, which was, which is amazing. Um, uh, but you know, Matthew Vaughn is an amazing director. Um, but like, ultimately it's like, you can't do that. You can't promote anything without your giant ass stars right you just can't you can't have them you you it doesn't work when it's just a picture of somebody right like we saw that at at d23 last year when they announced when like the the reaction they got when they announced the thunderbolts as opposed to when the cast came out actually and we saw like they were just like Yay! Okay, a picture of Harrison Ford. Yay! A picture of so and so. Yay! A picture of so and so. And then when they actually fucking came out, that was different. That was a whole different kind of charged energy, right? Um, it wasn't Harrison Ford, but um, but like you know, people that were coming out, and I'm I'm just like, you just can't do it. Like you just can't. And I feel like the studios know this, but like the streamers and they're very they're very different just because a company has a streaming company doesn't mean they're a streamer right i mean we're talking about amazon we're talking about netflix are the two big guys that are somebody actual streamers. posted 
their residual check from a Netflix show, and I can't remember who it was. Um, but it, it, it was, like, pennies. Yeah, it was. I cannot remember who it was either. Um, and it was a popular show. It's not like, yes. oh, yeah, pennies from this show that, like, I, I don't that's buried on Netflix and I hadn't heard of. Um but I, I can't remember who it was. And I, I was just like, yeah, that's that's problematic because it you know, it, it, we're we kinda have the same issue with like Spotify, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, uh um, Taylor Swift is probably making thousands and thousands of dollars per day on streams. But, like, if you look at that individually, what she's getting per stream is very, very tiny. It's just that a lot of people are streaming her stuff. Mm-hmm. So, what that trans- trickles down to is that a band that is, like... Semi-successful I can't think of anybody off the top of my head But some band That gets a few hundred Streams a day is making A couple of bucks Not even Because they're yeah. probably in three or four cent per stream At most um, You know some I guess probably even less Than that not even a penny a stream um, Because they're They're so like Oh well we've got to get on Spotify So we can promote ourselves Like through that But mm-hmm. you know uh, Meanwhile Joe Rogan Got How much did he get A <laughs> hundred million dollars A hundred million dollars Like him Megan Markle Like uh, Megan Markle and Harry uh, Prince Harry like they I think they got like 150 million dollar deals Yeah like so, so like for, The Rock is getting paid twenty million dollars for Red Notice, or no, fifty million dollars. Fifty, remember, fifty dollars. Like he's and he's the high. He's literally the highest paid actor for a single movie of all time. Not adjusted, uh, adjusted for inflation. It's still Arnold with T two with that twenty million, which is now like a hundred and fifty million dollar Learjet that they gave him. Um, for T2 which is a, still a staggering thing like yeah. to think that even at the even back then that was like a Learjet they gave him an actual jet for the movie like that's a big movie that's a big cost but um anywho yeah like the haves and have nots like and, and and now it's coming out and I think that's a good thing right like that we're finding out what actors are making per episode as guest stars like yeah. you hear like I think it was like I was reading because the the like I think we've talked about this um, <laughs> the Dick Sargent and Sergeant Yorick of our era uh, Dirt Mulroney and Dylan uh, oh, McDermott yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they both actually were on the picket line and I saw an interview I think it was uh, Dylan McDermott said that you know like you know when I guest star on a on a TV show he's like I'm getting eight thousand dollars for that episode he's like. $8,000, whereas the stars are getting, you know, anywhere from 150000 to a million dollars an episode. He goes, that's, he's like, I'm a guest star. And he goes, and you think that I, like, you know, he's like, you've seen me for 20 plus years. I had my own, I had a couple of my own shows. 
And he goes, and he's like the disparagingness, the disparage of, of wages between who's like a workaday actor or who become a workaday actor after they've, they've been stars. And, you know, the stars, when you're at your, at your peak, he's like, but he's like, you also have to remember, he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm as a guest star, a part of the top 2% of working actors. He's like, the people that are making all of that money that you see all the famous people that you're inundated with, he's like, that's the top 001% of actors that are working actors. He's like, think about that. He's like, if we have, if we have 50,000 people that are currently working, he's like, that means that those are 50 people that are working that are making that kind of money. And he's like, and then underneath that, us, the guys that are guest stars, he's like, that means that we're make like, there's only about maybe 300 to 400 of us. And like, that gives you a true kind of weird, shocking account about how much actors are making. Like, And, and it kind of opens your eyes. To, <clears throat> like, not that we don't appreciate that somebody <laughs> like, uh, Paul Giamatti in the like early 2000s was in mm -hmm. everything, but like now you can maybe kind of understand like why Paul Giamatti in the early 2000s was in everything. Yeah. <laughs> Where he just or didn't why, say no. <laughs> you or, know? Or, or why the, the Chapa, um, Bruce Willis, yeah. was doing seven eight nine movies a year because they were making his quote of a million dollars and his week's worth of work if or nicholas cage you, yeah. you you pay him a million gonna be Which there for, for two weeks problems so. <laughs> yes well i mean most of these guys end up having tax problems because or because issues we don't know about like uh, bruce willis yeah. you know where exactly like, he knew his health was in decline 10 years ago um yeah. So well, it's and supposedly like he has a nice bank account now because of all of those. Like I don't ever like I look at it very differently than other people do. Like people like shit on him because he made all of these terrible movies with all these weird <laughs> Russian wannabe action stars that were basically Russian mobsters that decided that they thought that they could be because they could run a Russian mob. But if somebody was going to pay you a million dollars to yes, that would um, would you not but do it? Yeah, well, that's the thing is that, okay, so I look at it like this. If I knew that I was sick and I had these four kids that were, <laughs> they're not going to give shit. We all know Bruce Willis' kids. They, they're they're wonderful human beings because they were allowed Bruce to might just be the it. only one <laughs> that can yeah. something. And yeah. <laughs> I, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, these are kinds of kids, like if I was Bruce Willis, I'd be like, you know what? I don't want my kids opening up OnlyFans accounts because that's the next step, right? I don't want the. I want to support them. Like, I don't necessarily agree with it. I may not agree with it, but I look at it and I go, man, that's a dad. Because he's like making all these shitty action movies to secure the secure, not only for his older kids, but his younger kids. Because he has like, he has like three or four with his wife, his current wife, right? That they're yeah. like literally children, right? So if you make, if you rack up in like five, in 10 years, you rack up a hundred million dollars in after taxes and all that. It's like, say it's 50, 40 to 50 and you invest it right. You have the right people because you're Bruce Willie. 
that secures your that secures your family. I can understand that, right? I can understand doing that. The same way, like I said, Nick Cage. I mean, we all know that he had tax problems, and I, it, like it's nothing to laugh at because you know he didn't know. Like that's the whole thing is like like he didn't know. Like because he's in trusting accountants, so of course you know if you get into the wrong people and like you know of course managers, agents, it's all it's weird because like people just think they hear fifteen million dollars. And their eyes light up. They don't think about every shark that takes a chunk of meat from that, from that big pie and what they're left with, you know? Um, So yeah, no, it's, 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 it's wild to think that like Netflix and all these other streamers are just sitting there just like, Oh, we're going to bust this union. And it's like, you actually think that you're going to do like, you know, at a certain point, people are going to turn on them. Like, huh. like, you, like, like, isn't that the thing? Or, or, or are we, yeah, let's say fair idiots now that we just don't care. Yeah. I, I think and, and hope that you're right. I, I did hear something really funny on the film cast this past week. I was listening. I forget what oh, okay. it was. And Jeff Kanata, who used to be, uh, and, and, a quote working actor in Hollywood. Yes. He, he brought up the point of like, I, I, yeah, if there's one thing in, in the, uh, an actor in Hollywood is used to not doing. And he's like, and I don't mean like, you know, Nick cage or somebody, anybody of high, high stature at the rock. <laughs> he said 90% of actors are, you know, not those people. If, if there's one thing they're used to doing, it's not working because like you yeah, have not to have working. three jobs. <laughs> exactly. Not working and hustling all over the place. What are actors doing right now? Because they're striking <clears throat> working, not working and hustling all over the yep. place and meeting their writer friends. I mean, that's literally what like all, like there was a point, <laughs> there was a point in the early two thousands again, where I was trying to be a screenwriter and director, right? And so, like, I'm in Hollywood, so, like, I did the Hollywood Shuffle. Like, literally, I did what they did in Swingers and Hollywood Shuffle. Robert Town, uh, like, Robert Townsend's, like, great, great movie is, like, like, I love that fucking movie. Like, um, and, and Swingers, like, you, what did you do? You went to diners. Like, if you were a writer, you, you, you aligned yourself with actors, and other directors and other writers because and you all got together and you kind of conspired it's just literally what they're doing now it's like it, there's no difference right there's no difference of like that and then going back to your workaday job like your your waiter job or your bartending job or your job at barnes and nobles or whatever the fuck you're go- doing and like not doing anything in between those times like in waiting for calls it's there's no difference right now. Like actors are very comfortable with this. Maybe not the working actors, but the working actors, like, like what gives me hope is that you're seeing all of these working actors, like not just like the, like not just the, the kind of sort of working actors, but like the heavy hitters, like Quinta's out there every single day from what I'm seeing every single fucking day. Quinta is out there and Quinta Brunson doesn't have to be out there. Right. But she is because she's a writer and she's an actor. And she's in support, right? She's solidarity. Um, I don't know if you watch The Bear, but Jeremy Allen, uh, Jeremy Allen White is out there every day. I mean, I actually think that that people are just taking pictures of him, like just randomly out there because they love him. But 
like, you know, people are out there doing their business, like, like in support and solidarity. But I, I just, I, I really do hope that it, it, they get what they want. Like everybody gets what they want, that this is going to be so disruptive. That's, because except the sturdy heads. <laughs> yeah. Except, for, well, fuck them. Seriously. Or, fuck or them. The, fuck the all heads of, them. of these streamers are uh, like, I, I no, and Bob Iger. And Bob Iger. I, yeah. I really need Bob Iger to understand, to get smacked in the face and, like, you know, metaphorically and understand, like, his whole comment about busting unions and being just being just a ripe shit about these things. It's like, you made we were, hundreds of millions. Of be like, dude, we were so happy when you came back. And now we're yeah. just like, shut the fuck up, man. Like, you're sh- yeah, you're. A- you don't even understand the problem that you have. Like, you yeah. have a problem, and it it it's it's not necessarily oversaturation. Um, no, you know, but yeah, it, it's it's uh, yeah. Um, I I think we're definitely in for a a long stretch of. Yep. Not getting uh, or, or sparsed out new content. So, um, yep. unfortunately, but I mean, it'll be what it'll be. Um, so, you saw Oppenheimer. I didn't see Oppenheimer. We thought yes. it was going to be the case of I saw Barbie and you didn't get to see Barbie. But since we're recording, uh, later than planned, it actually worked out that we both got to see Barbie this weekend. Yes. Um, and we'll talk. I guess we can talk. We'll talk about Barbie first, and then I'll hit you with some Mission Impossible stuff. Um, okay. So, uh, my screening of Barbie, I went to a Friday night screening. No wait, Thursday night screening. Um. I think it was Thursday. I don't know. My days are so mixed up right now. Um, (laughs) uh, It was not a packed house. Um, There were uh, maybe 30 people in the theater, which I'm currently living in a pretty small town that I'm surprised has a movie theater at all. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Because it doesn't even have like a shopping mall. Or, or like a strip mall. Um, oh wow! Okay. It has a Walmart that, but you know that's not. Uh, that's, anyway. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. The like, South, we, of we, course, we understand. Um, yeah. So I walk in. There is a group of uh, maybe fifteen to twenty women already in there. Uh-huh. Uh I get the dirtiest look from. Uh-huh. A handful, like it, when I walked in, it was only women in there, and and that's fine, that's great, like cool. Um, yeah, it would be much like if I walked into a Pixar movie and been like, oh, it's a bunch of kids, like yeah, no yeah. shit. Um, <laughs> but like uh. as when I walked in, I I was the only guy in there at the time, and I it just I was looking, I was like, where am I gonna sit? And these women are just like glaring at me. <laughs> I was like, what oh, the fuck? Man. Um, so, uh, you know, I find my seat, sit down, uh, movie starts. Uh, we can get into the movie, but 
this, my experience with the movie is the 20 or so women uh, that are sitting close to the front of the theater uh-huh. didn't laugh once. Not what? <laughs> like, what? Not single crack. Nothing. Um, and, and it was various age ranges, like from like 12 to 45 or 50, close to my age. Um, so mothers and daughters, maybe even a few older, like there might have been a grandmother in there. Um, not one laugh. Meanwhile, uh, after I sat down, a, a handful of couples and families, uh, including uh-huh. husbands or boyfriends or dads or whatever, also came in. There's maybe five or six guys in the, the whole theater. Yeah. Me? And like three or four other dudes are laughing every five minutes, just cracking up. And <laughs> um, so I'm exiting the theater um, uh-huh. like because I saw a 930 show. So the the tw- 15 to 20 women are standing in the parking lot just going at this movie about how horrible it was. It's the worst movie they've ever seen. What? They're, they're berating these girls, these young girls, about they're never allowed to pick out what movie they're seeing again. This was terrible. It was so stupid. And I'm just like, holy shit. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What? Like, yes. literally? <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm like, you told me like, like, so like just behind the scenes, this guy's Logan told me that he had, he had a wild story to tell me um, about the, his screening. And I could only like, I had thought it was, it was something else other than this. I had not known. I wanted him to save it for the show. So I didn't ask for details. Um, This is like beyond my expectations. It's like, what? I'm like, this is what happens wow. when you scream Barbie in a small town in the south. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Like, I'm surprised uh, that these women didn't give you guys, like, like when you guys were laughing, turned around and stared at you. Like, that's that's wild. Yeah. Uh, by, by the end, three or four of huh? them were actively talking to each other during the movie. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, you don't do that. You just don't do that. Like, Man, that's like I don't care if you don't like a film. Like you literally, these I mean, are the types of people get up that. And leave. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. Like, like don't talk. Like I would have said something. I would have just like shut up. I I felt terrible for the the uh, young girls, the that children. Were yeah, because I feel like at some point they felt like they could either either they actively knew because the adults were telling them how stupid yeah. thought it was during the movie. So like um, maybe the kids didn't like it either, but like it, it even if they did, I feel like they were never going to be able to express that because it, it, yep. it was just it was just going to get them uh, like berated even further or harder or and, and I I really really felt for them because I I, I thought it was really really funny. Uh, you you said I, I think you texted me. 
I, I something was it? You think it's tied for like the second or the, maybe best uh, film of the year? The best of it's probably the one like like of what I've seen so far this year. It's probably tied with one of the best movies of the year. Like it's this and Spider Man Across the Spider Verse are like my favorite, like are the best made films of the year for me. Like this is what happens when you give somebody that has the skill sets to make something very special. You get, you throw all the money at them because there's no money. There's no amount that was spared on this movie. Like this feels, this it's doesn't feel crazy. How like I, I, I could feel the money. Like, which yeah. sounds we not in a like shitty way, just in a, no. like, a, a, like so much of this felt practical. I, yes. I don't know how much of it is digital effects, but like bar, it's so fucking weird that like quantum mania feels like this empty void. Like again, yep. thought it was a fine movie, but you can feel the emptiness of all of those effects. And Barbie land felt like a real fucking place <laughs> because, because it was, because like I've watched the behind the scenes because I was very curious afterwards. I didn't watch any like I watched the trailer. I watched the second trailer and then I've watched interviews with the cast because my wife like has just been pouring. She is like like this is her marvel. Like this for my wife this was like like Avengers for her, right? Did like it she live up to that for her? Oh, yeah, that and more. Like she okay. she's planning She's planning, I mean, she did the whole cosplay, like, I got her a, like, uh, like, she, like, not cosplayed, but she, like, definitely dressed up. We dressed up in pink, like, I, I mean, of course, I'm going to support my wife, right? Like, this I, is a big moment, I like. Pink, man. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I've gotten shit from people that I work with, dudes, of course, like, why are you wearing pink? I'm like, I don't, I fucking look good in pink, man. Like, exactly. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Exactly. Well, the big thing is, is like what we noticed was like, like afterwards you could see how many people like, cause we, it was at a mall and we have like this, like, it's this thing, it's thing called the Topanga social. And it's got all of these different, like, um, like pop-up, like, uh, restaurants inside of it. And you, you order and it's like, you can like, it's various different places that you can order from, right? It's just basically a, a, a souped up version of, of like a food court, right? But you do everything online. It's kind of nice because you don't have to wait in line. They just like send you a text and you go pick up your sandwich or whatever you're eating. But afterwards we went there to eat and stuff and kind of talk about the movie. And literally it was a sea of men and women in pink. And you would not like, here's the weird part. Psychologically, you couldn't be mad there. Like you could just tell that everybody was in a good mood. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that everybody was wearing at least one shade of pink. Like it literally was the wildest thing to see, like how like much, like you could tell the couples that were doing the Barbieheimer thing because they were like, they had pink on and they were walking into fucking, they were walking into Oppenheimer IMAX, right? Or like, you know, they were going into Barbie or they're going into another movie and like they were coming out and like, like literally we saw couples go it like coming out of Barbie walking out and then getting their tickets to come back in for another movie. And you knew it was Oppenheimer. Um, and it's just like, 
but like all to say like it was a it was a wild it was it was the first like it was the first time since probably Avengers 2012 that I felt like something special was going on like people were genuinely excited you could feel it in the air you could feel the the electricity of like what was happening at the movie theater like it was like people were not just going they wanted to have the experience they wanted to be a part of like it's what Tom Cruise says the movies or what Nicole Kidman says you know we come to the <laughs> movies to feel something <laughs> fucking um but it like the the experience that we had was kind of like what you would want in like everybody got the jokes everybody was laughing um like at a certain point like people were cheering like you could tell people were dancing and like there's two really there's one giant dance number the beach off right and you could tell that people were like electrified by that and they were like you could see women were moving in their seats and little kids were jumping up and down it was like it was weird because it's been a long time for me where I've seen a studio movie that felt was directed by somebody that had a skill set that was beyond the normal male centric bullshit. So Do you know I, what I mean? Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. Okay. So you were talking about, well, Marvel has a problem or Disney has a problem or in mm -hmm. to a degree they do. Here's what I think the problem is. Mm -hmm. Barbie, huge, huge property. Easy to fuck up. Yes. You hired two very much indie filmmakers to write a script, Noah Baumbach, and, um, should I just blanked on her name? Uh, Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> don't read into that. Um, uh, Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach writing the script, which I actually didn't know that Noah Baumbach co-wrote the script with her. Um, yeah. I, I was like, well, when I saw name, yes, I, I yeah. do know that, um, and that that was actually uh like in the back of my mind i was like is there going to be something where assholes online are like well you know noah bombach actually wrote that script and then i see his name i'm like oh okay at least now we're not gonna have to deal with assholes <laughs> being like well but did she write the script um they're so indie but and mm -hmm. not this sounds negative i don't really mean it negative pretentious as fuck <laughs> like yeah. just their hipster like just mentality like it's what they are i enjoy their films for the most part um so you you latch yourself onto a studio you want to do a barbie movie you hire these hipster pretentious filmmakers to write a script and then you let them make the movie that they're going to make like yes. you don't hire them without knowing they're going to make something like tongue-in-cheek that's gonna hit at you and also the culture and 
like Barbie as a cultural figure, uh, but also lean into like the importance of what Barbie should be uh, like, or, and also tackle the corporate machine and like do all of these things. And the only way indie filmmakers really can, you give them the budget and they deliver this movie. There was no way to know that it was really, really going to hit or even really work. You just mm-hmm. knew what they were going to deliver in, in those terms and you let them do it. Like, yeah, Marvel has a problem in that you're hiring these people and then not letting them make the movies that they would make, you know, yeah. when you stop doing that, that that's when you start losing. So I, I yeah, I, I hope that this doesn't turn in for Mattel doesn't turn into like, oh, shit. Like now we have to put our hands deeper into that creative process because that will definitely backfire. Mm-hmm. No, it will. It will. Like what you have is a movie like so to me, like there's only one like there's okay, so like at this point we have to warn you, like we ruin everything. We're definitely gonna ruin this movie. So don't if you haven't seen this, please. Don't listen to this because it's better to actually go in with the least amount of knowledge about this film because it's such a delightfully strange and wonderful film. I knew some of the cameos and I'd only ever seen that first trailer, which turns out is like the opening three minutes of the movie. (laughs) Yes. It is. It literally is. It's like nothing else is nothing else is is talk like you wouldn't like if you just saw those, you wouldn't like if you just saw that, you would know what you're in store for. I'm saying that because I'm going to we're going to start talking about it and I don't want anybody to have this ruined. Like just like whatever it is, you know what? You deserve to have it. So if you haven't seen it, just turn off this thing or fast forward to you know, 60 minutes later, if we, uh, if and when we get to Mission Impossible. Um, but like back to this, the only movie I can say, and this is, this should tell you guys the kind of reverence I have for what they've done, because I've been on record as saying that this is probably one of the best works of genius that ever was, that in the last 30 years, there have been quite few movies that are, that are geniusly invented. And one of them is the Lego movie by Lord and Miller. I will say that Greta Gerwig outdid them out of Lord and Miller, out of what they took as like, you know, taking, taking the concept that they did with the Lego movie. Um, and like, you know, the wildness that they did in dissecting the bit of pop culture that they did with like the hero's journey and kids and parents and, like in what they said, I feel like Barbie took some took concepts that we're dealing with all the time, split them in half, showed them to us, and made us laugh about it in a way that made us grow from like makes makes you understand and grow from it. Like there's a lot of shit that happens 
in the second half of this movie that I understand why people are holes. Like there's a certain sector of audience that are rejecting it because it's dealing with shit that they don't want to deal with. They don't want to deal with the staff of the capital storming. And this thing deals with it in a way that kids will not understand until they're older. And it's something that people, parents don't like is when movies do this. And then also like very pointedly Supreme court justices or the Supreme court. And it, <laughs> like, yeah, I was not expecting. Wow. It, I was, it's it's funny, but it also hurts. <laughs> like with that whole yes. conversation is like, ow, <laughs> like ow, ow. But like, it's really fucking funny. <laughs> it's really fucking funny. Like, like the capital storming stuff. I was not expecting it, and when it happens, I was like, holy shit! Like Ken is literally the fucking the Viking capital stormer. Like, they modeled him very similarly to him. They modeled all the Kens after the Capital Stormers. And that's literally, like, my favorite part is the fact that he learns, like, you guys don't understand how genius, like, I'm still trying to process this whole thing. How he learns the patriarchy. The patriarchy? Holy shit. And he's like, and. I lost interest when it wasn't about horses. (laughs) Oh, my God. But oh like my God. the idea of, so th- that's, it, this is going to sound very, uh, I, I don't, it, it's going to sound the way it sounds. The idea that Ken as, as a person uh, has felt so lost because he thinks all he's supposed to do is be with Barbie. And, like, he doesn't have his own agency. Like, flipping that on its head. Like, so that's been a a predominantly female trope. In media. In in real fucking life. um, Is that, like, you don't know what you're supposed to be if you're not somebody's girlfriend or wife or mother. Or, like, so Ken losing that and then... Finding out about the patriarchy and then latching onto it so desperately that he's just like, but it was finally about me and like what I wanted and like my interest, which turns out just to be horses. Um, And like all of that and kind of just giving himself over to it until it like ruins everything. It, it's such a double-edged sword. Yes. It, that they, it's it, beautiful, right? Yeah. Like they, they, yeah. They, they thread the needle. Like, how the fuck Greta Gerwig and everybody was able to thread the needle so perfectly with that is, like, it's a thing of magic. You watch and you go, holy shit. Like, it, I don't, wow. Like, turning the trope, flipping it, but also making thing. it. In my life, I felt like Ken. A lot. (laughs) And like I really empathize with him. But also I see what they're doing. And that like. Yeah this is the shit that a lot of women. Have to deal with all the time. And so. But also men and women both. Like when you. When you do like. Take control of your own. Life. Like 
sometimes you go overboard and like, well, now everything's about me. It's like, no, no, not everything's about you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, like even just the concept of like them dealing and grappling with, um, Ken, like Ken wanting, Ken wanting Barbie to be his girlfriend and Barbie rejecting it. And, rejecting. and then like I having so the, bad for him. I felt bad for him too. But at the same time, it was beautiful where at the end they were like, she was like, I'm sorry if I made you feel of uh, feel any kind of hurt and pain, but this isn't me. And this isn't what I want. I have my own things. And like making that like a thing that a bunch of boys and girls are going to see, yeah. like that's fucking beautiful. Like yeah. to me, ultimately that is something that I cannot not get behind. Like, because it's teaching, like it's teaching something to boys that we're not taught. Uh, you're not taught unless you have a strong mother figure, and even then, it, your your strong mother figure has to has to understand or have been through some kind of trauma with creepy ass men that won't take no for an answer, yeah. even if they're the best looking Ryan Gosling, like. There's so many layers of genius behind casting Ryan Gosling as Ken, and uh, that I can't even him for like just willing to go for every bit of it, and before yes. he couldn't <clears throat> promote it, like doing such a bang up fucking job with the promotion on this movie. Which I, I yep. yeah, it's the Barbie movie, and we're talking a lot about Ken, um, but. Uh, yeah, Gosling is, I mean, it it would be stupid for him to win an Oscar for this movie, but also the best fucking thing ever. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He's so like, good. Literally, <laughs> he really is. Like, and like, and I don't mean this as a, um, I don't mean this as like a, like a backhanded compliment. Um, but this is what happens when you're, when you're a good father to three girls and you have a strong, uh, strong, like woman as your partner who refuses to make you the head of the household and, and being okay with it, having the, the having lack of ego or, having an ego enough to understand I can step aside and it won't bust my, my fragile, my fragility into nothingness and letting you have a woman run household, because that's what happened. Like he's talked about it. Like Eva Mendez, his wife and partner or his partner, no, he just recently got married. His, his wife have talked about their dynamics and how like it works. And it's a very female centric household. And to see that on display in this kind of movie where he said, he's like, I'm, I did this because I wanted my, I wanted my girls. Like I wanted like some kind of like, I wanted to be able to like show my girls a movie that they would be interested in. And he goes, and then of course, like, you know, I show that to them and they're all into the Barbie and they could care less about me, which is great. Like, I love that. Um, it keeps you honest. Right. And yeah. like, 
this, this, like, I honestly feel like these are the kinds of proof that you need. Like, I always find when somebody can take a role and flip it so hard that people are talking Oscar talk about you, that proves how, how talented he is. Like, not to say that we didn't know that Ryan Gosling was a generational talent, right? But when you see him on display and everything that you know about Ryan Gosling is there, but also all of this new stuff, or like, okay, like, we kind of knew that he kind of can, can sing La La Land, like, you know, but it was very kind of a very certain kind of thing. But to hear him fucking just like outright sing. Yeah, yeah also. And dance. <laughs> Peaches now has competition. Like, yes, it does. Yeah, I, I, if I did not think that that was going to be the case, I, I, I didn't love the Peaches song. I thought it was funny and fine, and like, it's, it's really fun to hear everybody talk about. It's going to win an Oscar, like, because we're going to get to see Jack Black maybe perform <laughs> if the strike yeah. is still going on in March of next year. Um, uh, yeah, but like this movie, I was like, oh shit. Like now, like shots fired. Peaches has competition. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> I'm just Ken is like, and him singing it is like, I don't, I don't know what is better. Him, him singing his heart out with this or their use of the Matchbox Twenty song, which <laughs> holy <laughs> shit, that scene I, on the beach. But like yes. it just starts panning back And there's just 20 of them Singing Oh my god man That was that was pretty fucking funny <laughs> Oh my god And so like okay so like At that point if you can't If you can't laugh at your like There's a certain sector of dude That that's their play And I'm glad that Greta Gerwig Took a knife to that shit She kind of did okay I have a feeling That there there is a lot of bullshit that Greta Gerwig went through with with lots of boys who looked like Ryan Gosling and Timothy Chalamet because the indictments that she does to them in both Lady Bird and this movie are so oh. devastating. Like, it's almost like Greta Gerwig wants to take away the guitar, the drum, any kind of musical instrument from, uh, from these assholes. Like drums. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Secret Invasions. Um... Uh, Kingsley Ben Aldir. Um, so if this which, movie does anything wrong, anything, yeah, I feel like it's wasting that dude because him and Simu Liu. Like I feel like they didn't give enough to either yeah. one of those. Yeah, he gets um, a bit more than uh, uh, Kingsley Ben Aldir, but uh, yeah. but yeah, it, it, it's like the John Cena thing is funny, but it's very much a cameo. Like yeah, you, it's a slight, you, it's a sight gag. Yeah, you do not get enough of either one of them for sure, um, especially because they build up this whole rivalry with the Kings. Yes, and like it, it doesn't quite pay off the way it maybe should have. Um, but also, like you, you don't want the Barbie movie to be three hours long. Like yeah, and you also don't want it to be a. Somewhere. Yeah, and you also don't It's not Barbie and Ken It's Barbie It's Barbie, yeah. it's and, Barbie. And she, yeah. We're talking a lot about Kim Barbie does get the absolute lion's share of the movie I, I think they do a fantastic job of like 
what the i the initial idea behind Barbie the the pseudo corruption of like and the backlash on like yeah fuck Barbie and her thin pretty body and uh mm-hmm. like and also the the no vagina or no genitalia joke was really fucking funny <laughs> it really was it really was um like it, i i i fucking loved it the way this movie deals with innuendo i think it does it probably better than any movie i've ever seen it, it yeah because it's almost like full head on like just dealing with it like no a backhand is no slightness no like tongue-in-cheek stuff she's just like oh you're cat calling me you should know that i don't have a vagina <laughs> yes like it's great or or like um <laughs> like it, it's it's kind of it's very it's very howard hoxian in the way that the double entendre is like <laughs> oh i also love when she's like because she has no understanding of that how she's like i'm kind of feeling like you're making these jokes that are like she's actually breaking apart what double entendre means but yeah. she's discovering it for herself like there's so much classic hollywood in this movie um because greta is such a like a, a, a like such a proponent like such a, a a proponent like just like like from everything that I've ever read from her and how much she loves classic Hollywood, it's on par with like Scorsese, right? Like it, it, there's this, this knowledge base there that's greater than just, oh, well, I like this. It's not, she's not a Scorsese, like she's not a Nolan bro where all they only know is Nolan, right? And I fucking hate that. Or QT people like Quentin, like all they know is Quentin. And they're like, oh, I grew up for Shut the fuck up. Like, you know, you don't deserve to be a director then if you, all you're watching is Quentin Tarantino stuff or Nolan shit. You don't deserve that because there's more to it. And this is like the product of that. Like, if you know a lot about cinema, you can come up with, like, like you can reference it and you can use that as a weapon and weaponize it to make something beautiful like this, right? Like, where there's a lot of influence and it's not the normal five different films that most male-centric directors, like, quote is the five references for the fucking movies and um it's kind of wild how far they can take it how far that they did stuff and it still be a pg movie it still be good for kids but also hyper intelligent enough to make any intelligent adult go this is better than just what i thought it was going to be like i thought it was just going to be a big ad for barbie which it is but it also tells so much about like where we are as a culture that I'm like very wildly like, how the hell did they do this? Like, I need to see it again to kind of see, yeah. I need to see it a few times to see it's the, a, it's a magic trick, man. Like, yeah, it, it really like is. The, the kind we have not seen in a long, long time where no. The more you think about it, the more you're just like, oh, shit, that like that was genius that and shit like hits you later, like on the drive home or the next morning or just like, oh, shit, I see what they were doing there. Like, it's such a just brilliant, unique once in a not not in a lifetime or but just 
once a decade kind of thing that I, I mean, I, I don't even think it's something like the Lego movie is a good example, but the Lego movie also has, it, it is like 99% just for kids. Like there's a few yes. in there, you know, I, this is like I was uh, who was I talk? Oh, I, I was talking to our our buddy Tim, and I was mm-hmm. like, it's, I was like, it's such a weird amalgamation of like concepts from the Lego Movie and Elf and Roger Rabbit that mm-hmm. like I like I would not have thought that like to do it like that, you know? Yeah, uh, like the the elf thing of just like being able to like there's the elf world and then there's the real world and you can get there like and like knowing that they coexist and it, it it's just it's so brilliant and it's hard even if the concept weren't similar to like a movie once will ferrell pops up it's hard not to, to make the comparison yeah. But, but they even flip that character on its head. Yes. I think he's doing so, one thing. And then he's just he, like, no, no, we have to stop this because Barbie yes. needs to be Barbie. Like, it, it, yeah, he doesn't. He, he keeps saying we're not concerned about Ken. And when he thinks it's going to all become about Ken, he's like, we've got to shut this shit down. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. Well, even like, like. The pleasantness of uh, Rhea Perlman, like fuck, man, like that oh, was like yeah. a gen- that, that was a genius move. We'll get to that in a second. But then, like, do you know what I laughed at the most? Was the Snyder Cut dig? I <laughs> could not. <laughs> holy shit! I was not expecting that. But yeah. oh my god, I laughed so hard at that because I was like, oh my god, like to allow. To allow Greta Gerwig to like, and that's the sharpest dig. Like to me, like that's the outright fuck you, Zack Snyder. Fuck you, Zach, uh, Snyder bro, uh, Snyder bro, idiots. Fuck you, DCEU idiots. Like that's the sharpest like dagger because it's so that and the Godfather and guys panache for the Godfather and over explaining it. Those two are the hardest, <laughs> sharpest digs. That fuck. Oh yeah. That, that cracked me up. The, the Godfather thing. I was like, I like, I, I get the, the joke you're making is, you know, and, and man's has become such this ubiquitous, like it's whatever. But I, I, I was actually uh, a friend of mine, uh, she she brought up this idea It was months and months ago And mm-hmm. I was like look I'm not saying That there aren't dudes out there Who just want To like Be that kind Of person I said but yeah. Honestly I said if If I'm over explaining something To you or explaining something To you that you're just like yeah I already know dumbass Like here's the thing It's not because I I want you to, or I want to be like, uh, prove I'm smarter than you. I said, it's honestly me going like, please be proud of me for knowing this thing. That, that's, <laughs> yes. the, that's, that's what I'm doing. 
because you know I, I I somewhere in well I mean literally in my life like going back to my parents I did not get that so like at some point it just translated into like oh uh, like if I explain that I know all of these like crazy facts or you know all of this shit like maybe you will just be like oh good job like that's literally what i'm looking for i said and i, I feel like probably 75% or maybe 80% of the people the guys that do that that's probably what they're looking for they're just like please tell me that i'm doing a good job like yeah. and then there's the other you know 15 20% that are just like i i want i want you to know that that i'm smarter and you know just whatever bullshit bro concepts so i i like i totally got what they were doing with the godfather thing it baffled me not baffled it, it delighted me as like you choose the godfather <laughs> but like it's also like I it's, get it. it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you totally get it, it but it's such a dagger towards a certain sector of male like just as much as like the like i said like i feel like greta's like in, in the best way possible she's just trying to help teenage girls not make stupid bad decisions because I, I she had chosen the dark knight instead <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, I feel like that's think, such a more contemporary Movie to to Take shots at That like again, I, I think the Dark Knight is great yeah. Do I think it's the greatest film of all time? No But you can't fucking tell the internet that Cause holy shit The fucking bros on the internet Love that movie <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Okay so there's like I can't wait for you to see Oppenheimer because like just as a side discussion, I feel like Oppenheimer is 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 Nolan's continual apology for making the Batman trilogy. <laughs> like honestly, like okay, so like I have this theory and I've had it for a while, and that Oppenheimer convinces me of this, and I'm just like we're talking a Barbie Oppenheimer. Uh, or we're talking Oppenheimer next week. I'm just laying the table for what I feel is it may be not his best movie, but I feel like it's it's a movie that shows Nolan like it's the movie that Nolan like the most heart on your sleeve movie that Nolan has ever made is Oppenheimer. The reason why is because his politics, his theories about the way that people are, and his thoughts about what he made before are very present in this film. This is like him going, look guys, I know that I got like, this is his thing where he got all the budget, all the final cut, all the marketing for this movie, right? So this is him on a platter. The amazing part is, is that I, like I had this theory that after the Dark Knight Rises, he was so sick of himself and saying that a billionaire is a savior and the billionaire worshipness that he saw coming and that he helped promote because he was so effective with Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. And then, of course, like, you know, with, like, he started it with The Dark Knight Rises where it was like, you know, like the, the whole thing of like what happens, the consequence, right? But then he makes Inception, which is about 
robbing a billionaire and forcing a billionaire to make the right decision. Okay. Then he fucking makes Tenet, which is this, it's gobbledygook. It's stupid. But I, I love still it. Seen it. <laughs> oh my God. When you see it, you'll just sit there and go, what the fuck is this? This is it. Like, this is Nolan being the most Nolan that he could ever be. But the thing is, is that the movie at its heart is about a working class, two working class dudes trying to make sure that a Russian billionaire doesn't end the fucking world. Now you have Oppenheimer where it's all about politics and the military industrial complex and male, like white male privilege thinking that they know better and seeing a man who makes a huge terrible decision, sees the cost of it and tries for the rest of his fucking life to course correct it and go, no, 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 no. We did this thing that was terrible and we need to stop doing that. We need to stop making a bigger bomb and how much he was crucified for that. And it's like Nolan again going, I'm sorry that I made billionaire worship. I'm sorry that I made a certain sector of men heroes for people. It is wild, dude. Like, for me, it's wild. It's like, I told my, my wife afterwards, I was like, he's he's so much of a socialist. Like, it, it's very apparent, watching Oppenheimer, that Nolan is this, like, British-born, or American-born, British-raised socialist. But it's done in such a weird way because he accidentally made the billionaire worship movies that so many young men just attached themselves to and think that Elon Musk is fucking Bruce Wayne. I mean, he's not, he's not out there putting on the suit fighting crime. Like, yeah, no, but he's, he, he's buying Twitter on a lark and then fucking wrecking it. Like it, but, it, it's exactly at, what the tech tech bro disruptor bullshit. Like you were talking about. It's exactly yeah. what they're, uh, no, exactly. But w- w- like you and I both know that the internet is a fucking crazy wild ass place that fucking makes that happen, right? Yeah. Like that's the way that all of these fucking anonymous fucking idiots think about. And again, it's fucking wild. Like if you take Oppenheimer at a high level and look at what Christopher Nolan's career has been post the Dark Knight trilogy, like. There's a like I never realized there's a reason why he wanted to end it with the Dark Knight. He didn't want to do a third film. I think honestly, it wasn't that it wasn't that he didn't have a story. It was just that he realized the shit that he did and he didn't want more justification for billionaire worship. Like if yeah. you really think about it, that's a like what he did was so effective <laughs> that it was almost like oh shit, I weaponized something that I never meant to weaponize. Like, it was just supposed to be a good movie that referenced T, but so many people took it the wrong way. Um, but anywho, like, yeah, that's that's a little preview for Oppenheimer and my, I, my thoughts about it. I do think it's kind of interesting that... Uh, because, I mean, so Oppenheimer, it, it's like, it's true. Like, it's all... I mean, it's a fictionalized version of a true story, but, like... The, the nuts and bolts of Oppenheimer are all true. Um, like he pulled from tons of real things. Barbie is parts of truth. Yes. Uh, in with this crazy fictionalized story. Um, but they, they're both kind of dealing with the same 
basic concept of someone creating something and not not knowing the the fallout from that years or decades or you know half a century later yes uh, literally almost in both cases half a century later um or more than half a century later of like starting with the best intentions um and and they only very briefly get into that in Barbie with Rhea Perlman's character. Uh, yes. Uh, her playing the, 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 the ghost thing. It's, it's so funny where like, it's so poignant and touching when they meet, when Barbie meets her, um, which it, it, we keep saying Barbie, Margot Robbie, uh, she's fantastic in this movie. It, it's really hard to, separate her though right like i feel yeah. like we can talk about ryan gosling as ken but i feel very much like she's just barbie like not in a soulless way just in a like holy shit you you stepped into this role i don't see margot robbie i, I like no i can't look at that and go this is the same actress that played uh, Harley Quinn or, or any or, or was in uh, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street or any other fucking thing she's done yep. because she's just Barbie in this movie and, and just so great and so like very much Will Ferrell and Elf like wide-eyed innocent <clears throat> watching her deal with the real world is so troubling um, but going back to Rhea Perlman, like just briefly tackling that, like, oh, I created Barbie. Also, I'm a complicated person, problematic for sure. That's another movie entirely. Um, don't look into it, <laughs> you know, just all of yeah. that shit. And, and like I, that real woman, I don't think ever really had to confront her, uh, the fact that like what she start the idea she started with is you know uh very much like girls don't just need to play with baby dolls and mm-hmm. like told that there's always going to be they're they're just they're going to be a mother that's their goal in life and you know and then barbie expanding into you know I can do anything Barbie um, to the point of like, yeah, we took it too far. And, and they even show that in the movie, like Mattel could have easily shut that shit down and been like, we cannot show these like ill gotten Barbies. Like, yes, not show them. We can't show her pregnant friend. <laughs> we can't show, uh, you know, move her, whatever the, push her arms down and her boobs grow like we can't show any of that like we don't we need to ignore that in our history um but i you know to a much much lesser extent that would be like talking about the history of germany and being like yeah those decades over there those don't really matter we're just gonna ignore those (laughs) you know like you know you can't talk about the history of germany without talking about hitler and the nazis um So for Mattel to do that would be, again, much lesser extent, 
you you don't ignore those things. You'd be like, yep, we did some complicated, like fucked up things, you know. <laughs> um, no, absolutely, and also beating. Okay, so beating critics to the punch. Yeah. Because you know that there are people that are sharpening their blades, waiting for that moment, yep. and waiting for the hero worship, and like Greta not giving it to them, like which I love because it, you can be both things, right? You can be the inventor of a great thing and have a complicated history. Most of the time, you know, most people have complicated histories. Yeah. Not they're not just Einstein was a genius. Yes, fucked up person. <laughs> Like exactly, kind of, definitely Tesla genius, very fucked up person. <laughs> yes, um, this this goes without saying. In a, like, like the worship of people, like, and the church of ego is just that's just not me, and I fucking hate it. And it's kind of refreshing when it's not done, but it's also it's not done, but it's but what they do, like what Greta does here, is so skillful. Is so a light like this is what happens when you have a light touch, right? This is yeah. not what happens when you have a heavy hand. Like, and I always prefer the light touch to the heavy hand, always. Um, like even to the point of where, like the the like, listen. So we're talking about Rhea Perman. Let's talk about the ending and how most movies will end with, and it does. It starts this way with asking for permission. And then what happens is so beautifully different than everything that happens before. And I feel it's a lesson like that, that children are need to vitally learn, which is, is that you do not need to ask permission to be something. You just become that you are that right. Like, and that's ultimately what, what Rhea Perlman's character tells Barbie at the moment where she's like, can I? And she goes, what do you mean, can you? Of course. It's not, it's not for me to say, you just are. And man, that's such a beautiful fucking concept. Like, I was not expecting that. Like, I was expecting the whole Wizard of Oz, click your three heels and then that's it, right? Yeah. But, but it's so much more complicated, but it's so much more beautiful. And to think that there are a bunch of little girls and boys that are at the right eight prime age right now that are going to be watching this and their brain is going to be rewired from this. Definitely, definitely little girls because, uh, yeah. like, uh, you know, I, as part of the patriarchy, um, I, mm -hmm. I feel like that, that is a thing that's much less common in, in, in men. Yeah. It, Unless you're talking about specific things, you know, yes. like, you know, it's still pro like it's it's a problem. Men, even if they have a passion for like childcare things or you know, uh, teaching kids, uh, you know, it's a profession not a lot of men get into because so many people like look judgmentally upon those things. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, being uh, a nurse, like, it, it, still to this day, like, people will look at you. Certain people will look at you a certain way if you're a man and, and you're a nurse. Uh, why aren't you a doctor? Um, you should, But it is much, much less common uh, for men than it is uh, for women. Um, 
so yeah, like I I, I completely agree. Um, I, I, we've not mentioned a few people. I, I so I, I do think Gosling steals the show. Margot yeah. Rope is like just pitch fucking perfect. Will Will Ferrell's fun. All of the the background players don't get enough to do, but they are really really fun to watch. Uh, I think the movie has two unsung heroes. Uh, <laughs> the first being Michael Sarah. Yeah. Oh who, God. Who, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. It, it's just, I, and we have not seen Michael Sarah be fun on screen since Scott Pilgrim. Yep. I was going to say, I think it's Scott Pilgrim because his, his return to Arrested Development, like everybody else, was troubling. Like yeah. I am not a fan of I'm not a fan of of Arrested Development one or two in any yeah. way, shape, or form. Um, I think it has its so, moments. I'm one of the few, but like it it literally took watching through those Netflix years a couple of times for me to be like, oh okay, like I can see some hints of things here. But like, yeah, you're right. It. It it did not feel like anybody at some point it it felt like nobody really wanted to be there. Sarah, yeah, certainly he did not like he felt like he was there because everybody else said yes, and he felt like he had to say yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly what it felt like. A- and the writing, also the writing was like just oh man, he did what he could, but you know. I don't know. Like it, it was, it was troubling to say the least for me um, because I was just like, Jesus, like, like, can't we give him better? Like, and this is, this is the proving, like, like, I feel like this shows, you know, this is what you get when you get, when you give Michael Sarah the kind of nimble stuff that he needs, because it's like, there's a certain kind of, like, he's a certain kind of actor. And if you give him the play and the range, he, he'll give you gold every single damn time. And he yeah. does. I mean, he it really does. still a, in, in the way that when you hire Christopher Walken, you know, you're yes. Christopher Walken performance, you're getting yes. a Michael Sarah performance, but he is doing what he does better than anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. And you get like such a tiny piece of the Scott Pilgrim ass kicky, like, Thing with the, like the when they're they're getting stopped when he, he's in the yes. car with him like it, and it's all just going on in the background like it's so fun and funny um which brings up who i think the, like the second unsung performance and people that watch a lot of tv have known this for years but america ferrara is fucking great she really is. She really She's is. spearheaded two television show successes and deserves all the fucking roses. Like she she deserves to have a massive career. And not not saying that she doesn't, but she's not necessarily a household name. Like Kids will know her as the voice of Astrid from How to Train Your Dragon. How to Train Your Dragon, yeah. Which, like, all those movies are super successful, but 
like don't make her a household name and uh, you know meanwhile like if you watch her tv work you're like holy shit she's really good and has been really good for a really long time yeah uh, and and they give her the speech in the yeah, movie it's they so give- fucking good man <laughs> It really is. Um, I mean, I, I don't even know what, to, like, I was like, like, I don't even know what, like, there's nothing appropriate that I can say other than it's a brilliant dissection of what probably every woman feels. I mean, like, my wife said it. She's like, it's it's what you actually feel in your soul, like, and it's put on screen, and somebody, a, a human being gets to say it. Um, and, like, I'm not going to say anything more than, like, she... Like, she really is the unsung hero of this movie because there's a lot that happens, and especially with that speech and especially with her daughter and how it works that makes Barbie the movie and then also the character soar because the ground that's been laid yeah. for that. Um, and it, yeah, it also like, cap- captures teenage girls like fucking perfectly like as someone who recently had to deal with one on a regular basis <laughs> because I, I was living with my sister-in-law and my niece like i was like oh i feel her pain <laughs> <Where it's> just, <laughs> it doesn't matter what i say <laughs> this little human is going to use it to stab me in the throat <laughs> like it's just <laughs> fucking brutal man and you just want to look at him and be like why why are you being so mean to me? <laughs> like, I'm literally just trying to help you have a good time and get through life. And you're just being mean to me. <laughs> um, uh. I, I, I'm not super familiar with Ariana Greenblatt. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I thought she was a lot of fun. Like, I know she's done some, like, voiceover work um she's like she's velma in the scoob movie and yeah I, she's I, she was in one of the avengers movies right? yeah she plays young she played young gamora okay yeah and then she's also like the, what i know like what i saw her um like she played a lot of young versions of people like like she's in the heights and she plays a younger version of one of the main characters but like i just recently saw her in 65 it made me um, want to watch that. Like that just hit Netflix, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> it made me want to watch it. So I mean, I okay. like Adam Driver. I enjoyed her, and I was like, I know she's in that '65 movie. I, I've heard all of the like, oh, it's fun and fine, and oh, it's really stupid. Um, like it, it just uh, kind of came and went. But like, I, I mean, I do want to sit down and, and we, we can have a conversation it. about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it, it's the. Uh, it's it, it, it it's a movie um like but yeah no 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 absolutely we like uh i mean it's worth a watch it, it's worth a watch i mean because it's like literally like you know adam driver adam driver being adam driver because he's incapable of uh of of not doing an adam driver performance like an intense adam driver performance in a movie that literally if if it was if it was filmed in 1984 it would have starred Somebody like, I don't know, um, who would be a good comp of like how trashy this movie is? Tim Thomerson. <laughs> that's that's the level that's of quality you haven't heard dealing with decades. I know, oh. <laughs> but if you think about it, it's like the movie is like, like, like scanners, like his, his, yeah. like, you know, his scanners, right? Like, it's like literally like that. It's like, 
like that's the equivalent of of what you would what you would see or like yeah that's the the best comp i have like it's a tim thompson like early era before he went like completely gray um movie you know um so yeah uh (laughs) that's the kind of level of quality 65 is so i'll i'll get around to it eventually um, <laughs> this made me seeing her here and, oh and yeah i do like adam i was like okay well at least i know there'll probably be two lead performances that i'm like oh, i like these people um but uh but yeah it, it, it's weird to think that well we do have teenage mutant ninja turtles coming but it's yeah. weird to think that barbie might be one of the last like big big blockbusters of the year um it's yeah it it opened huge right um they just posted it it opened to 155 million dollars but that's that's like impressive in in a way that like is just dropping nobody saw that coming nobody well they the projections were 120 and then it opened to like 22 million on previews, just previews on Thursday night. And they were expecting it to be like 130, 140, but they weren't expecting it to be 155. Even, like even three months ago, though, like I don't no, think anybody thought it would make a hundred million dollars. No, and like mm. like literally, like now you have to like at this point, as of Monday morning, you have to literally, like you literally have to like as, like if you were a studio executive. Like, and here's the thing is like, I, there's a part of me that really wishes that Greta would just go, you know, that, uh, you, you know, the whole Narnia thing that I was going to direct, uh, with Netflix, fuck you, Netflix. I'm not, gonna, I'm pulling out of that. I'm not going to direct it. Yeah. And just let her write her own ticket because with that kind of money, I mean, now they can't deny her. Like they denied her before with little women, even though little women made like $150 million at the U S box office. With never debuting, like with never, with not premiering at the number one slot and just making money. Now she's gotten three movies in a row Lady Bird, um, Little Women, and now Barbie. Three hit movies in a row. Like, like her first movie, which was an indie darling. Her second movie, which was like, you know, mid studio kind of, you know, Oscar y thing, but it turns out to be a hit. And now just a blockbuster. Like, what are you like? If you're not a studio head thinking, okay, how can I get into the Greta Gerwig business? Or Warner Brothers saying, Jesus, we really do need to like lock her down. You're stupid. You're really stupid. Because like, I don't like if she like, and this is the shitty part, is we know if she's a male, everybody's already talking about like what what does she get to do? What is she going to do? Like, like, you know. Like, everybody's already talking about fucking Nolan's next movie, right? Like, what's Nolan going to do next? Why aren't we talking about, like, why aren't we talking about, like, what, like, what is Greta doing next? And as they should. I mean, that's, that's not only just critics. That's, like, the movie isn't just, like, it didn't just get fabulously reviewed. Everybody went to fucking see it. Yeah. Like, wow. And it's not going to stop making money, right? Yeah, the second weekend, like, I I think the holdover on this is going to be huge. Could be completely wrong, but I feel like it's going to have legs. Yep, Um, it's going to. Especially, like, especially because 
like once people once the word gets out like there's so many people that are probably were waiting to see it now they're not waiting and they're like oh okay it was a big hit let's go see it and then you're going to get the the effect of like people that don't go see movies are going to see it that's the thing that i'm i'm kind of waiting for is like the it's already a cultural moment but now when it has everybody has seen it and went it, oh it's good it could be this year's top gun now yeah. it, it's not going to make, I don't think it's going to make the money that Top Gun made, which is so funny because a month ago, everybody like, were like, can Tom Cruise save the box office once again? And it's like, oh no, it turns out it was Barbie. <laughs> um, yeah, and okay, so like, here's the thing is like, like, <laughs> inadvertently, like, Tom Cruise doing the whole I'm going like you know tickets for Barbie and tickets for Oppenheimer kind of like started like you know was a part of the push with this whole Barbieheimer thing right like so again his movie may not have but Tom Cruise speaking about like just go see movies like like it's kind of weird how like this dude is like the proponent of like did we think five years ago Tom Cruise would be pushing to save cinema in a way that was the most Tom Cruisean kind of way that you could? Like, like I don't think so. Like, I never thought that that would be something that we would lose cinema with the with with pandemic. But then the the driving force behind it would be this crazy dude that loves to do his own stunts. I mean, yo, I mean that's kind of crazy, right? And like to let like to like move aside and just go yeah i'm gonna go see barbie and oppenheimer i'm gonna see oppenheimer first and then i'm gonna go see barbie you know um yes people should go do that you know and not like not totally worry about it in the face like you know your face forward of like you know um your movies being released and it's going to be affected by this because if anybody's going to be affected by barbie and oppenheimer it's it's mission impossible right like this is its second weekend yeah, um, I I didn't look at its box office, but um, I was one of like four people in my Mission Impossible screening this weekend. Um, actually, that's what I saw Thursday night. I saw Barbie Friday night. That's what. Oh, uh, okay. Um, okay. So Mission Impossible. Since since we're on that, um, I've I've been waiting three days to say this. Um. I really, really appreciate the fact that they cut out. So, so spoilers from Mission Impossible: colon, whatever the fuck they're calling it. Yeah. Um. Uh. I really, really appreciate the fact that they cut out. Uh, thirty to forty minutes of plot at the beginning of this movie, so that we could spend twenty minutes of Tom Cruise teaching Haley Atwell how to drive a car. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um oh that's funny that's seriously funny um the movie, they blow through this mo the beginning of that movie so fast it's <laughs> like, so i was fast. like it's what the fuck is happening <laughs> like was this supposed to be a three-part movie like i was just like this feels like by the time we get to him having the face-to-face -face in in that uh office building yeah. I, i'm like this feels like we're halfway through a mission impossible movie 
It hasn't been 20 minutes. What the fuck is going on? Then there's another two hours and 15 minutes of movie. <laughs> yes, it's so <laughs> what I love about this movie is, okay, so it's it's the culmination of Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise like trying to figure out how to tell a movie as one giant chase movie, right? Like this is that's what the whole fucking movie is just a chase scene. It is fucking exhausting, but I will say it's one of the most thrilling, exhausting rides I've had in a long time. Because like literally it's like it's like a kid, it's like in the best way I feel like it's a kid telling a story that they came up with in their head. Playing with action figures. And then this happens. This happens. This happens. And there's a train. And we're going to jump on the train. Then the train's going to fall off the tracks. And then, like, it it is so much so that anytime they stop to take a beat, even if it's an earned emotional one, I'm just like, no, what's next? Like, (laughs) the, the, the death on the bridge was not affecting to me. Because of everything that had happened up until that point, I was just like, why are we stopping? Why are we slowing down? No, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Like, it, you know, it, it, and it's not that the movie doesn't earn him, you know, st- stopping to take a beat. But yeah. But also, here's the thing. Like, I, and I'm, I'm going to be all over the place. Fucking Gabriel is right. Like, what he tells Haley Atwell is right. Don't get close to this dude. Do not fall yeah. in love with this dude. Do not think he's your savior. Like, is your life important to him? Yes, he says that. He, and he means it. He means it when he says it. But yep. literally every, like, the only woman who lived was the <laughs> one who was just like, I'm going to go to the middle of nowhere and help these destitute people. Like, yes. And that's it. Everybody that comes and goes in his life, including the one he just met, who he just, you know, he, I I hate that they put it like, well, they do say spared her life, but like, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I guess that is what he does. But like Palm Clemente, who it's so wasted in this movie. She's so good. Um, I, I hated that they killed her. Um, they actually didn't. They is didn't. She still alive? She's still alive. She's still alive at the end. So, oh, okay. uh, like, she she almost dies, but they get her the help, and they even say she's gonna make it, and like she's gonna be oh, a part. Yeah, that's of the team. right. He, that dude's like, we got a pulse here. That's right. Yeah. Right. I forgot and about she, that. I was so certain she, she was dead and bummed out by that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And she's gonna be a part. Like. I feel like, okay, so, like, this this movie is both a contained story, and it feels like the first part of a second movie, right? Because it's part one. Um, I feel and, like they're and set And also up part first. of a whole. Like, yes. I, is it, so, is it me, or is this the first Mission Impossible movie that, well, no, because they reference his relationship in, in was it the last one? Uh, yeah, when, the last couple of ones, like, like. Like three, four. It's really um, starting to feel like part of a series, though. Yes, it really. The first three or four really don't like they. They feel like 
not not even parts of a whole, just parts. Like yeah. it, it's they're it, just the next episode. They're yeah. a single. They're 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 not a mythology. They're just one-off episodes. If we're talking about like you know, quote unquote, like you know, Mission Impossible is a TV series, right? Like the X Files. Like this is th- those were one-offs, but they weren't a part of the mythology of the larger story. This you're 100 percent right. This feels like everything is connecting in yeah. in a way that hasn't before. Like this one feels truly like, oh, okay, well, we've had Elsa for a couple of episodes. We've had Benji. We have all of these people. Let's start making it, let's start coalescing it together. Let's bring the dude that was kind of his nemesis in the first one back. Kitridge, which I fucking love Henry Krizzy. Um uh, uh, Yeah. When the, f- the, like, every time he shows up on screen, I'm like, why has he not killed this guy already? Like, I understand yeah. that's not really what he does, but like, yes. at some point, it's just like, dude, you're part of the fucking problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> Carrie Elways, like, Carrie Elways shows up and he fucking, he's part of the problem. It's like, I love this film because I'm a Mission Impossible fan. Would I recommend this to non Mission Impossible fans? I don't think so because this is like, Okay, so, like, there's another series that came out this year we kind of talked about, and I told you, and I kind of watch it funnily because it's, it's. I don't watch anything ironically. I watch it because I enjoy it, but it's still trash. This feels like what Fast, the Fast Furious franchise wants to be, but never will yeah. be. Be- because it's it doesn't not, have skill. They're not smart enough. Like, yeah just not smart enough like and that's why i checked out of those movies and i haven't checked out of the mission impossible impossible it is big and dumb and fun and there are these giant gaps in like plot devices that that just fucking are, are baffling if you think about it too much um but it doesn't matter because like they do kind of lean into the dumbness at some point like the 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 car chase and him like having to retroactively teach it like she gets in the car and is gonna escape and it's like oh fuck i don't know how to drive um because i'm <laughs> Which, from london and I, all yes. i've ever done is take mass transit and you know like i've never had to drive um and then him having to like teach her how to drive while also like shooting at other people and going through this ridiculous chase and they're handcuffed together. And then like all of it, but ever there's never any point where when something else happens that Tom Cruise doesn't look exasperated and frustrated by the fact that here's another complication he has to deal with. Like every time he's just like, what the fuck now? <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's what I love. Okay, so like, there's this, there's this certain type of action film, right? Um, and you know what I'm talking about when I say it, which is things go wrong all the time. Nothing works all the time. I love those kinds of movies. Like, give me a movie where an action scene is not just one complication, but it's complication after complication after complication. It comes from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. When I was a kid, I know this is going to sound weird, but I was a kid. I used to hate that because he lost his gun. 
and you strip away everything that Indiana Jones is and because of all these complications that happen. And I hated it as a kid, but at a certain point, I began to love it as a kid, and I started to learn that that was something that I really liked in movies. Where die take, does. Yes, it, exactly. You give you you take away his shoes, and it becomes such a complicated matter. Um, you you take away everything from that person that normally has a skill set, and they're reliant on just themselves. And that's literally what this movie is to me. It's like holy shit! Like you're taking you away, and you're complicating. You gotta yes. do it smartly. It, it, it's it's not just Chekhov's gun. It's yes. finding a way to to smartly introduce the handcuffs, and then have them repeatedly come back into play because not because oh look there's a pair of handcuffs or somebody who would not have handcuffs on them just happens to have handcuffs. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we think he's holding this girl hostage. Oh, I'm going to toss the handcuffs at him. My gun's pointed at him. And then shit goes haywire. She, uh, like, he handcuffs them together. Then uh, she handcuffs him to the steering wheel. And, then, like, to, like, backtrack and smartly introduce all of those things. Yes. You know, it, like, it's what Die Hard does. We need a way for him to be vulnerable. Well, what if he doesn't have shoes? Why the fuck would he take his shoes off? Well, because some dipshit in an airplane was like, the key to fighting jet lag is to take your shoes off and then make fists with your toes. toes. It's so dumb that it's the kind of stupid thing that somebody on an airplane would fucking tell you. And then you're so like out of sorts that you're just like, I guess I'll try that. And then you're doing that. And then shit just goes sideways. Like, yep. it's brilliant writing, which, uh, you know, to our point at the start of the fucking show, that's where it starts, man. Like, yep. yeah, not everything is brilliantly written, but like, it does start with those concepts. Like you have to be able to smartly introduce those things. Even if it's fucking dumb. Like, so much of Mission Impossible is, like, ridiculous. Ridiculous. It it is. But I'm, okay, so, to your point about smart writing, like, how did Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie figure out that AI was going to be a fight for us? And makes an AI-centric movie that is pro-human. Like, literally... The villain, like, and sorry to ruin this, guys, um, but again, they play it out so well, man. Where it's oh just, my oh, fucking god! It's the not entity. that it, it's not that you can't even trust your eyes. You can't trust information, man. Yes. like they put a bomb on us in a suitcase in an airport that that it was nothing. It was a ghost. Like, it, but it, it gave AI everything that they that AI yeah. thought that it needed to know about this shit um it's wild right like but then like cruise is like it's almost like cruise and them because this movie's been filming like so the weird part about this is is that this movie has been filming since 2020 yeah guys fucking three years in the making and it's just the first part now i've heard that they were filming the second part in bits and pieces so they have a chunk of it done but he's supposed to be filming 
they're supposed to be filming additional photography um, starting next year if the strike is over with. I mean, he's he's very, like, Cruz, I've heard, is very pro-strike because he's very, like, and this movie very much tells you he is very anti-AI. Like, he's okay yeah. with digital de-aging and all that kind of stuff, but he is very anti-AI because he feels like he wants to be making movies. Like he said, he wants to be making, he's like, he he said, if I only make Mission Impossible movies for the next 20 years and at 80, I'm done with it, He's like, that will be a career well worth it. He's like, you have no idea how complex these things are and how much they work my brain as a producer, as an actor, and as a stunt performer. And I'm like, no shit. No shit. Like, I can totally see that shit. Um, I love how they just, at the start of the movie, now it just says a Tom Cruise production. Cruise production. Because <laughs> it fucking is. It's literally, he is, like, like, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. He is the last movie star. He is P.T. Barnum. It's because fucking insane. Like, he, they start, literally, I, I think um, Simon Pegg broke this down. It starts with basically Tom Cruise going, I want to jump, I want to parachute onto a moving train. How do we get there? And that's where it starts. <laughs> well, okay, so you know, like, okay, so even funnier is like, 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 yeah. And then the anxiety, like, Peg has talked about the anxiety of worrying about his friend Tom Cruise killing himself, and like how, like, like nobody worries about that. He feels like nobody worries about that but him. But I'm guaranteeing you, everybody fucking worries about it. Um. You know that um, Justin, or I'm sorry, Jason Bateman and Will Arnett do a podcast, right? Yeah. And they do a show. Yeah. They recently had they recently had Matt Damon on, and it got to talking about Tom Cruise because all of them know Tom Cruise because you know, like you know, Tom Cruise is, and he was like, because he was around, like they were around each other, I guess, not starring, but just like around each other around the time he was making the last Mission Impossible, not this one, but the one before, there where he broke his ankle, and he was like, like he brought up a story about like you know because they're like it's all on like the news, right? That Cruz is doing another crazy stunt, and he goes like, you know, have you ever talked to him? About it? He goes, oh yeah, we talk about it all the time, and he was like, the last kind of interaction that we had was right at the time that he broke his ankle and how that happened. And he was like, he goes like, let me, let me, let me just say on born when I was at the peak of my, like, you know, physicality, I was doing some of my own stunts, but not all of them. Cruz does all of them. And he was saying that he was talking about how, how did the jump happen? And so he started talking about like Cruz started talking in the Cruz manner in which he was like, you know, I started off, I wanted to do this jump and da, 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 da. And the safety guy said, no, you can't do it. You'll break your ankle. So I got a new, I got a new safety guy. And they all started laughing because they know Cruz. And they were like, only Tom Cruise would not listen to a safety guy and get in trouble, but not be mad about it. And that's like, that's Tom Cruise in a nutshell. That's how fucking nuts he is. Like, that's how much he he cares about what he does. And like, I full after I heard that, I, I looked at my wife and I was like, honey, I'm fairly certain that Tom Cruise at the age of 78 will end up dying on uh, will end up dying doing a stunt yeah because this motherfucker like and you know what he will be happy and he'll have had a he'll have a video message already set up he probably does every year he does like a video message to us as his fans <laughs> right the start of production just like exactly 
if you're hearing this, I passed away. I was doing something <laughs> stupid, and uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it just, it, it is. It, this movie was an incredible mess of a movie because it, it is all over the place. It goes in so many different directions. I, I think it certainly has flaws. I, I, yes. I honestly do not think it earns a single emotional beat that it tries to lay down. Like I just, I don't, um, I I get plot wise. I get why it's there, but Mm -hmm. I just, any of the um, emotional stuff, I I don't think is really earned at all. Like Palm before she pseudo passes away or they think she's dead, (laughs) like gets real, real emotional about like saving him. And like, she's crying. And I'm like, I mean, I get you're trying to be more serious, but like, it's just, it doesn't feel completely earned. It doesn't feel completely phony. Like probably a lot of the shit in the fast movies are, or or something as, as dumb as like, uh, uh, Marion Cotillard dying in dark Knight rises, which is so fucking just like worst on screen death ever. Um, it's certainly better than that. Like it's well acted. I just don't think it earns the emotional moment. Um, but all of the action set pieces are of course just insanely well done. Even something as small as like, so once the train crashes and he has to, (laughs) he has to get off the train. Um, he's got the extra parachute. Um, like just, him like paragliding or whatever it is he's doing like through the air and then landing you know miles away and meeting Benji like that is something could that could so easily be just a digital effect like absolutely and it's not like no. I, I in my mind I, I, like, I saw it a few days ago and I'm huh? still thinking about him like coming in for that landing to meet Benji and me thinking like, that's really him. He's going to hurt himself when he lands because I've never done it, but I do know it's really fucking difficult to land and not like, not just be a pile of like, just rolled up in the, the parachute. Like, you can't just land like what you have to be so good to, to do what he did to land like that and walk and yes. disconnect. You have to be so good. <laughs> yes. Like, and he fucking does it. <laughs> I mean, like, okay. So like that entire train scene is like 45 minutes and it's not, it is so complex. It was like, he watched his friend. I mean, cause like, I, I've heard that he's friends with Kenneth Branagh and I've heard like, I almost wonder if he like, he watched that and then he watched, like he watched murder on the Orient express. And then he watched night and day again. Cause like, this is, that was something that we've talked about recently that we, we like yeah. that. I rewatched night and day and how, which a, like we slept on that fucking movie big time. Uh, we never like, never should have slept on that movie. Um, that movie should have been a massive hit that we should have had at least two of them. But anyway, um, 
I, I almost feel like he watched it and he watched Brano's movie and he was like, you know what? I think I could, we could do something like that, but we can make it better. We can that, make it, we can, yes. we can make it wild. There is nothing, there is nothing in this movie that we have not seen multiple other places. Like, but the, the chase scenes, the train <laughs> stuff, the, the, like all of it we've seen in other places. The fucking hallway fight. Tom Cruise is like, man, everybody's doing hallway fight scenes. I want to do one, but it's not a hallway. It's going to be a stone alley. Hallway is too, it, it, there's too much room in a hallway. We're going to make it yeah. really fucking narrow. I'm, I was so claustrophobic during that fight scene. Like it was making me so anxious. <laughs> no, it really was. And like the, the, uh, like Palm Clement, uh, like, like her, like, like the way that it was played out, it kind of like, like it gives you this tension, even though you know what's going to happen, even though you know what the stakes are. And by the way, I don't think Elsa's dead. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think that she's dead, even though she looks like she's dead. I, fe I feel like, I feel like it's subterfuge um, because Ilsa is always like in the la like, you know, in the three films now that she's been in, She's always had her own agenda, and I feel like what's yeah. attracted Ethan Hunt to her is the fact that she's very much like him in the regards of, like... like I'm fuck it, I'm gonna do my own thing. Exactly. <laughs> like, every her, time. It's just like, oh, you think I'm doing this? No, 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 no I changed my mind. Fuck it, I'm doing this. <laughs> exactly. No, 100%. 150%. Um, and it's kind of, like, I love it. I, I love I, I love it, but you're right. There was no stakes there. I think because we kind of already read in advance what they're doing. Um, but it doesn't stop the tension from happening. Um, and like, can we talk about just for a couple of seconds how great it is to have Isai Morales not only come back, like not to a series, but to the big screen, but him to be such an effective foil to... Tom Cruise is Ethan Hunt and yeah. Tom Cruise giving him the space and the agency because of the way that he's reacting to Gabriel, because it doesn't work if he's just like, like nobody ever talks about how generous of a performer Cruise is. But if you watch these movies, you can tell he is allowing people to do what they do best or what their roles are based off of his reactions to them. Yeah. And that's a, fucking hard thing to do but also it's a hard thing to live up to and man Isai Morales on that train like my favorite part is the fight between them atop the train because it recalls the first movie but in a way where I feel like they're equals and in every way shape and form and but Gabriel has gotten a little bump because of the entity and what I love about the film is it's always Cruz running behind until he realizes at the end that it's not that he's behind. He's just been looking at it from different optics. Like the whole movie is about Tom, like Ethan Hunt and his team realizing that they're, they're in out of their element and they keep on losing. But then once they realize all they have to do is change their point of view, that they could have an advantage and they could have a hope. And it's a bit of little brilliance there. And it like, and the way that Cruz lets everybody be 
what they should be. Like almost egolessly, but it's not really egolessly because he understands the better Gabriel is as a villain, the better it is for us as a whole. And it makes us like more entertained. Like, you know, without a Hans Gruber, a movie sits still, right? Or it's just an average action film. But if you give us a Hans Gruber with his own agency and some skin in the game, and also additionally, like there's stakes because Gabriel basically made Ethan Hunt who he is. Like, and that's kind of like, okay, I like that. I can get behind that. Um, It's it's so well done. It, It is the perfect like popcorn summer like film like you know no absolutely and like here's the weird part is that if barbie didn't happen i'd still be saying that like like i would like it's it's not that it's different or it's not that it's barbie's much deeper than yes (laughs) these these movies are not very deep (laughs) no 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 they're not i mean they're really not it does have something to say about ai but like not in a uh it's not um like smuggling a message in there it's very bluntly stating you know it, its point of view so um which i mean there's something to be said for that um but yeah i i do wish they had cut uh, it was a little too long for me it was it really i mean two hours and 45 minutes is that, that train goes on for a long fucking time like uh, you, you think that they could have cut out one cart? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like at some point I was just like, oh wait, they got to like again, like uh, you know, it was fun and kind of funny when they're running through the like you see her running through the dining cart to get to the front of the train. Like mm-hmm. it's that whole like the Chekhov's gun thing, like I was talking about. Or like yes. it's interesting the way they introduce these elements, and then like that, like you know they want to have this dangerous chase where they have to get back to the back of the train, and it's like what what would be interesting? Oh, if there's a fire. Oh, if there's this, and then the way they set all that up, it's it's really really smart, but like. It it does go on for like fifteen minutes too long. Um, it it's still exciting, but like that that's also part of why the the emotionality, like all of the emotional stuff, when you get there, I'm just like, I don't like I I'm so like exhausted from everything that has happened. I don't. You really, really are. The <laughs> stuff like i i'm sorry he's sad can i go home now like i'm tired because <laughs> i feel like i just did all this um it, yeah i really really enjoyed it um i it made me want to go back and start from the beginning and rewatch the the series as a whole and it's um, on peacock it's yeah. uh it's or no it's not peacock uh paramount plus has them all uh, Point, so point, point of shame. I, I know everything about Mission Impossible Three. I've mm-hmm. never seen Mission Impossible Three. Um, I, I, it's JJ. It's so JJ. Yeah. It's not even funny. Like I. Uh, By the time three came around, I think I was like a lot of people on the like eh, kind of tired of Tom Cruise um, bandwagon, and I just yeah. never went back to it. And then. 
was it Ghost Protocol that was the fourth one? What was? Yeah, it? the 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 uh, the one the that's at the Burkhalifa. Khalifa. The, yeah. the one that's at the Berkeley. Yeah, it's the fourth. I, um, I saw the trailer for that and I was like, I really want to see that. And I think yeah. I was like full on like into like, because I was still delivering pizza. So I listened to a lot of movie podcasts and mm-hmm. everybody was talking about it. So I was like, I got to go see this movie so I, I can, you know, have some context. And I was like, oh, I'm back in on the Mission Impossible thing. I got to go back and watch three. And I've never gone back and watched the third one. Like, I know that's where uh, uh, What's Your Name comes into play. Yeah, uh, Michelle Monaghan, his yeah, first wife. I, uh, like, yeah, like all of that. And I've just, I like, I know the whole story. I've listened uh, to people break down the plot. I've just never gone back and watched it. So um once we run out of new shit to watch <laughs> um i might <laughs> the uh mission oh, impossible franchise awesome. so um anyway uh yeah there's lots of shit to have a good time at the movies with um i, I mean it it's crazy like even i know it's not making any money but even indiana jones it's a good time at the theater yeah. and, I mean, like, we talked about yeah. that. We talked about that last week. It's a fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun throwback. Yeah. That you don't expect. I mean, and it's on the big screen, and most of it feels real and physical. Like the thing that I love about the three mo- these three movies, and even Oppenheimer, um, these three movies feel like they're tactile. Feel like you could touch the things that are happening, especially yeah, Mission Impossible. Yeah, a Mission Impossible. <laughs> For sure. Like uh, Tim, when I was talking to him about it, uh, he he said, "Yeah, I like I appreciate the fact they didn't do the digital de aging like Indy does." And I was watching Mission Impossible, and I I feel like Tom Cruise is definitely touched up in most of his scenes. Like, yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but like he looks just, just a little, right? Just a little. Uh, like you know, not, you're right. Not like de-aging Indy from like, you know, 75 to, you know, like 35, but just a little bit, like just a little bit, Um, (laughs) but uh, like a little bit of Tom Cruise vanity in there, Um, you know, especially when before the movie you see him promoting it and it's just like, oh, Jesus, dude, did you eat the other Tom Cruise? Um, what is going on? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, that is Spencer, funny. Spencer said. Uh, Spencer texted me uh, a couple uh-huh. of weeks, ago and he's like, uh, he said, uh, "I'm really enjoying watching Tom Cruise become Clayface right before my eyes." Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh Which, my goodness! Uh, yeah, I mean, for all we know, like he's like what we've seen of him lately. He looks a little weird, man. Um, like, I don't know what's going on. I'm assuming it's for some role that he was getting ready to film or something, but I'm just like, what is going? Not, not that I'm the last person calling anybody fat, but Mm -hmm. like, I'm not saying like, oh, he's getting fat or anything. It's just like weirdness. Like what is going on? (laughs) But, uh, anyway, yeah, lots of shit to watch at the movies now. And it's like, I, I'm kind of so stoked for a movie. Like I want to go back and watch Elemental, like which is yeah. having some surprising legs at the box office. 
Um, which I mean, good for them. Pixar kind of needed something. Um, yeah, I know did. it and flopped opening weekend, but you know. But it's 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 proving that like it's got staying power, which is interesting. It does make me want to see it. I probably will not. I'll probably wait for it on home video, like I am for Little Mermaid. Me too. Um, <laughs> I, I just there's too there's too much out there, and there's not enough, and like. I only have so much broadband to go out into the theaters and like, it's not to say that it's a bad movie, but when I've got the Ninja Turtles movie and we're trying to figure out how to like go see that, did you see the Barbie trailer for that shit? That was fucking great. Oh my God. Brilliant. Right? Like, um, such and and it's not like that's cross marketing, right? Because yeah, that's not like I, it's the, is it the same studio, like, movie-wise? But, like, Nickelodeon... Uh, I know Paramount owns Nickelodeon, but, like... Yeah. Paramount doesn't own Mattel, right? No. No, they don't. Yeah. Um, like, uh, nobody owns cross-promotion. Yes. No, no, it definitely is. But also, I feel like... I almost... Like, have you heard about the new Barbieheimer? Uh, Saw, Paw, uh, Saw Patrol? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> because... Because Saw 10 is is coming out the same weekend as Paw Patrol, like the yeah. new Paw Patrol movie. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Is this what we're in for now? Like the disparaging, like double features. But I'm kind of also here for it. Like, of course, kids can't do that. But um, I like when you get peanut butter, you get peanut butter in my in my chocolate and my chocolate in my peanut butter. Because it's funny you say that when I was going into Mission Impossible. Uh I'm walking in, and there are these, like, uh, four or five, I mean, they couldn't have been older than 16, uh, oh. hanging out in the front of the theater, and I'm walking by, and they're like, sir, 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 which I hate. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I turn around, they're like, what movie are you going to see? I'm like, Mission Impossible? I was like, what the fuck is this? They're like, you sure you don't want to go see uh, Insidious? And I was like, no. They're like, I mean... We'd, we'd have a good time going to see Insidious. I'm like, this fucking 15-year-old's trying to get me to buy them tickets to go see Insidious because the lady behind the counter will not sell them tickets because it's rated oh, R. <laughs> it was so funny. Like, it was almost tempting, but I was like, no, I, I really want to see Mission Impossible. I don't give a shit about Insidious. Like, happy <laughs> for Patrick Wilson, but I don't care. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, I mean, well, that one for me is definitely a um, a movie in October. So I'll hold off until, I mean, yeah. it's probably, come on. like, you know, um, like, I, I'll re- I feel like if they the had known the strike was going to be as bad as it's going to be, they probably would have held off till October to release it. They um, probably would have. Um, but it's doing good business for a movie uh, that's a fifth in a horror franchise. Yeah. And... Um, you know, but also they brought back everybody because Patrick Wilson is directing. So good, good job for Patrick Wilson. I mean, you know, I'm always, uh, I'm always for like, you know, uh, low rent Paul Newman. I mean, I, that's what I always call him. No, no offense yeah, to Patrick he, Wilson. He very much looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, first directing effort, um, and it's and it's a hit. I mean, you know, but uh, horror audiences are love their love their horror franchises. I mean. Unless it's called Halloween Ends, which, you know, then they all get all upset about it. 
Uh, <laughs> Even David well, Gordon Green knows he kind of dropped the ball there. Well, okay, uh, so okay, so I have to ask you: Have you fucking seen his next thing? I mean, talk about doubling down on being ballsy. You saw? Have you seen the preview for Exorcist? His no. new he he remade or he did like he did he's doing the Halloween thing with Blumhouse. They already have the trailer. It's supposed to come out in October, like the week before Halloween. And he got Ellen Burstyn to be in it in a main character. Oh. Okay. Like I, it's literally what he did for Halloween. He's doing for The Exorcist. I wish he like. Okay, I just wish he'd go back to making David Gordon Green movies, or, uh, or, or Danny McBride movies. Well, Danny McBride's got a lot going on. Um, oh, but I, yeah, I mean, we haven't even talked. Like, have, do you watch? I mean, yeah, I don't so, care. We're off the rail. Rice's Gemstones. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it, it's too. It. it it's two different shows, man. Like, there's the Danny McBride yeah. fucking weird, goofy shit. Like, and then there's the John Goodman show that I'm just like, I'm really here for the John Goodman stuff. The Danny right? McBride stuff is, is fun and funny half the time. But, like, I'm really here for the John Goodman shit. Like, the, it, it, it's John weird Goodman. how they meld them together. I don't know if it's entirely successful after season two. Like yeah. season one is good because they're it, kind of a part of the same show. It's, it's why Vice Principals works is because it yes. doesn't go on too far. Like they did this with Eastbound and Down. Like after the yeah. second season, it was just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, it, it get, well, Danny McBride gets up his own ass and it becomes this weird loopy. Let's go. Let's see how far and dangerous we yeah, can go yeah, with how, our comedy. How much can we do? Yeah. So. Uh, like yeah, we'll but... have to get into that uh, next week. Um, yes, we'll we'll talk Oppenheimer. We'll be able to talk the Secret Invasion. Invasion, and uh, yep. hopefully we can talk some Righteous Gemstones. Which when is was the finale? The finale wasn't last week, right? Um, I'm halfway through the season because I slow rolled it because I like watching it in chunks because it works gotcha. for me better better in chunks. So it could very well be. Um, but, uh, I'm not a fan of, like, I'll just give you guys a preview. I'm not a huge fan of this, this season. I like first, like, like Logan said, first season is classic. Second season is good, but then they started making writing decisions that I don't know if I agree with. And, but we'll talk about that. Like, we'll talk about that and and the gloriousness that is John Goodman. I mean, Jesus Christ, when are we going to have him come back to the cinema and give him his fucking Oscar? Because I'm fairly certain he's going to get an Emmy sometime soon. He has to, uh, right? Uh, yeah, they've got a few more episodes. So. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, then we can definitely talk. I'll, I'll catch up. I can catch up. It's not a big deal. So. so. All right. Well, All right. good deal. Um, yeah, absolutely. So go check out everything over at xwingfiles.com. It's a little quiet right now, but that's just because I've been in the process of rearranging my life. Um, but hopefully we'll be back on track soon. Um, and then definitely go check out everything over at Adam's site. Uh, which I'll let him pimp. Oh, uh, the movie uh, we're, uh, you know, things are bustling and booming. Um, I've got a lot of reviews up, um, uh, talked about a, a movie that's in the theater that no one's talking about called theater camp. Um, that stars Ben Platt. Um, yeah, Tony I want award winning. It. It's I, really I good. Don't, it's not playing anywhere near me that I, I'm want to make the trip to, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I'll probably catch up 
on home video, hopefully, or streaming. Yeah, and it's like it's doing okay business, but I fairly, I'm fairly certain that it's probably going to go to home video fairly soon. It's, it's really a really great film. I loved it. Um, so there's that. There's other reviews, of course, as always. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm the home video guru. I, I fucking love reviewing home video stuff. And there's some good stuff coming out this week that's already. You know, stuff that's on the site that you can read or um, stuff that's coming up that I'm going to be reviewing that um, I really adored. Um, something that I think that Logan will fucking love. I just got my dirty paw, my dirty paws on the Swamp Thing 4K. Oh, that, nice. ha- that has like last the, the, the Blu-ray that they released of Swamp Thing was of the PG Wes Craven cut. Right. The 4K is fully restored R-rated cut from Russ Craven, the one that was released in Europe and not in the U.S. I am super stoked because that was the one that I grew up on on VHS was the R-rated one. You know, we know the reason why every kid watched that one. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'm super stoked to watch this goofy-ass Russ Craven iteration of Swamp Thing again. Because, like, I just got it, and I'm just, I cannot express to you how excited I am to, to cover this. And also, I got the 4K version of Weird Science, one of my favorite and most troubling John Hughes films um, of all time, uh, because of a certain scene, uh, a certain couple of scenes. Uh, but I'm also going to be reviewing that fairly shortly. So there's a lot of good stuff coming up on, on the site that you guys will probably want to stay tuned for. Nice. Um... So yeah, with that, we'll be back uh, next week talking uh, all of those other things. So we'll see you guys then. See you guys soon. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But they're really all sold out. Get all together, you with me now.